Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Conversations with Calcaterra. Recording this a day before President's Day and um, decided it was important to not talk about the State of the Union. Instead, uh, we'll be discussing the Union of the State. You may be wondering, Union of the State, what is that? You know, who, what state? Well, the state was a, a comedy troupe that uh, had their start in, uh, at MTV in the uh, early 90s. Uh, they all met. It was 11 members, and they met at NYU through uh, their own sketch group that they set up. And uh, this is all chronicled in the tome uh, by Corey Stoltz, who has uh, authored the book, Self-Published, The Union of the State. And I've known Corey, um, you know, all pretty much, you know, most of my life. He lived down the street where I grew up. You know, he's now on the West Coast and just uh, doing great things, including this, uh, what could be the definitive collection of, um, of the story of the state. And um, you, you may have seen some of the members of the state in uh, shows such as Reno 911. Uh, Joe Latrulio, one of the members, is in the uh, uh, Brooklyn uh, 911, I think it's called, with Andy Samberg. Uh, Wet Hot American Summer, which has uh, been on Netflix. Um, a lot of the a lot of the cast members were in that, as as well as with a lot of other stars that you may know: Bradley Cooper, um, Janine Garofalo, uh, John Hamm. Just a, a lot of people that were in that. So Corey has put together an amazing book, and uh, it's an interview style. So he interviewed his his style with um, comedians is is wanting to put things in their own words. So he interviewed uh, all the members of the state and a lot of their collaborators. And um, 400 hours of interviews cut down and put it in a 600-some-odd-page book. And just a wonderful book with great photos and illustrations and and just had a great time talking with him about his process and uh, who the state are and just all those kind of things. So it's just it's really cool to look at um, the story of a group of friends that combined together that had similar interests that did their own thing. And it's, it's really cool to see Corey put together this book and do really well with that. And uh, it's really cool to see the great other things that, that a lot of people I know are doing and a lot of the guests that I talk to on this podcast. And that's why I put the podcast together is to, you know, you may not know who Corey Stoltz is. You know, maybe you know who the state is, maybe not. But this podcast is an opportunity to learn about some of these new things and about things that I've just discovered that I think are really cool. So hopefully you do as well. I mean, appreciate any comments you'd like to leave. Um, Appreciate the shares on social media. Uh, Please subscribe. Uh, Really, really helps. And I want to keep doing this show and just providing just just what I feel are wonderful conversations. And, you know, I'm I'm focused on continuing to improve and be... uh, you know, do this uh, the best that I possibly can. So, you know, speaking of friends who are doing cool things, you know, one of the sponsors of the show, Kevin Blumenkamp, uh, just really proud of what he's done with his uh, metalwork and creations and, uh, you know, happy that, um, you know, have him along and, and is a great supporter of the show. So always want to throw out good things about him and uh, hopefully We'll uh, you know have a lot of some new projects to show you know some of the jewelry he's creating, but I will include a link to a collaboration that we put together um, a number of years ago, animating a few pieces of his uh, jewelry that had moving parts. So uh, that link has been on previous shows, but I'm going to put that there again. So check that out, see some of the cool things he's doing, and uh, if you have any jewelry needs or any metalworking needs. 
um, that's something that he would be happy to collaborate with you on. So I'll put his uh, information on the show page. You know, keep that name in mind, Kevin Blumenkamp. And uh, maybe at some point you can have him craft a wedding ring or, you know, something of that nature. You know, he's, he's brilliant at, at those designs and just crafting. Also want to thank Dr. Mark Holland, who's been with the show since the beginning. Um, cannot thank him enough for his support, allowing me to, uh, you know, really helps to put these shows out to uh, take care of some gear and other things of that nature. So can't thank him enough. And he's just a solid guy who's very passionate about what he does. You can find great tips on his websites, which I'll link, uh, of course, to the uh, show description block and uh, chironrehab.com for those of you who want you know, want to put it in your in your memory, as well as my stlouischiropractor.com. And Dr. Holland is just wonderful in, in giving tips on health and just a lot of things that, that he does. If you, you know, get into a car accident, you don't know how to deal with it as far as health-wise or, you know, people to talk to or what the you know, what the procedure is to go through to, to get healthy again and to, you know, put it through your insurance. That's something he can give a consultation on. So, yeah, very resourceful guy and just a fun guy to talk to. So, uh, you know, definitely check him out. I'm happy to have him as a sponsor of the show. So we'll start out with this audio clip from um, that Corey. He interviewed a, a couple of the members of the state, Michael Ian Black, who's really well known on Comedy Central, Michael Showalter, and David Wayne. And uh, it just kind of really shows just their style of comedy. It's just very, you know, it's an MTV style back in the day. These guys kind of pioneered that, uh, you know, along with Beavis and Butthead. So it's that kind of humor, very, I guess, sophomoric humor. Um, Just, you know, there's some explicitives in it. So if you have the kids in the car and you're listening to this, um, you you might want to know about that. And, uh, but, you know, it's, it's really interesting. And it's cool to see that Corey has has interviewed these guys over the years and um you'll see you know the very the picture that's the thumbnail is uh, him with a, a number of the members of the state so check me out kencalcaterra.com and uh here is Corey's interview with the state in 2004 for an article uh when they were coming to mizzou for uh for one of their stage shows hello hi david Just fucking doing it. 
arguing and talking and singing and laughing and loving. There's some hand jobs. There's some wax jobs. Hey, 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 Don. His name is Corey. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not wearing any pants. Which? Yes, come on. Come on. Yeah, this is a picture. Newspaper, aren't you, Corey? Yes. Technical newspaper, wedge. Come on. Hey, Dan. Dan. His name's Corey. Hey, Jim. Jim. His name's Corey. Are you in the Mile High Club? No, I'm afraid I'm not. Wedge, shut up. Why, you you two prude? Wedge, shut up. I'm not crazy about flying, but usually I try to... Answer him, Corey. Don't even listen to Wedge. What, you have no dick? Wedge. Ah. Trying to do an interview. Can you go in the other room? I really wish Mike was going to be in here. Yeah. Where's your brother? Okay. He's out. He's out. How did the show get together? Well, we sort of do sort of knockoff dates. Because we're all kind of busy during the week, so we, we, we on Saturdays, sometimes we go out and do shows. Okay. We were thinking, we're sitting around, like, where should we do a show? That's unanimous. We should do it. Is there a University of Columbia. Very cool. No shit. Are you going to be there? I would like to be there. Were you angling for a free ticket? Don't have any tickets, okay, dude? There's a lot of people in Missouri, and everybody everybody keeps calling us. and like, can you get us in? Can you get us in? Dude, can't service everybody. Right. So after the show, we might be able to service you if you know what I'm talking about. Corey, good evening. Hey, Ken. How are you? Hey, doing well, buddy. How's uh, how's the weather out in San Francisco, out in the Bay Area? Uh, we've got a tiny bit of break from the rain that we've been getting uh, all winter, which is it was nice. It was probably about 60 degrees today, so I can't complain. That's good. And you, you can't complain, and, uh, you know, the drought is ending or is, is over officially. Yeah. So, uh, so Yeah, thank goodness. Yeah. That's great. Well, let's... Uh, Finally. Holding in my hand your uh, your wonderful book, The Union of the State... And uh, awesome. yeah, this thing is uh, this thing is huge. And, yeah, uh, it, <laughs> it was a great read, though. I really I really enjoyed it. Once I really got Thank to you. know the characters, um, that's then I couldn't put it down. Um, had I started, had I known them as or known the state back in the day, then uh, you know I think right away, you know it would have been it would have it would have grabbed me. But getting to know them through right. your book was was pretty amazing. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I think it's, I tried to make it, you know, very approachable for folks who might know like one or two of the people or they, they've seen them in something. And then, you know, also have some stuff in there that the hardcore fans had never heard, you know, a lot of stories that they hadn't heard before either. So I wanted, you know, to be for everybody, not just hardcore fans of the state. It was a good mix. And, and not being a hardcore fan, just after reading it, I now want to go watch episodes of the state. I, I knew about <laughs> Reno nine one one, but I never watched it. So I'm I'm intrigued to check it out at, at this point. And that's all due to your book and getting to know these characters and the trials and tribulations and just you know everything that they put into their careers. Yeah, it's. I mean, they've made some fantastic uh, comedy over the last thirty years. And what I love about it, and and one of the reasons that I wanted to do the book in the first place, was that it's just such a unique show business story. And that, you know, here's 11 people who met in college, you know, and, and essentially started a, you know, a comedy troupe. And from there, immediately after graduation, got a show on MTV 
And, you know, while they did go through some, you know, tumultuous times and a breakup, they've all gone on to do like really, really amazing things. And, and 10 of them are still working in show business today, which is just like astounding. And they still work together on projects all the time. Yeah, definitely incredible story and incredible beginning. And, and I have to say, just, you know, you being a childhood friend, it's inspiring to see you doing something really cool and to put together such a awesome. quality book. So super proud of you on that, my friend. Thank and, you. Uh, and also, I love the fact that you have on the back of the book, you have an endorsement from Weird Al Yankovic, which is, yeah. <laughs> which is fantastic. Yeah, he's a very, very nice guy. Um he was they, their uh, last big reunion with all 11 of them, 11 of them performing um, was back in 2014, and that's kind of what closes the book. And it was at a big comedy festival uh, down in Los Angeles. And right when I went backstage after the show, that's, that's the first person I ran into was Weird Al. So that was really cool. <laughs> Very nice guy. And what I'm, I'm going to read this real quick. So he's... Uh... Weird Al says, the members of the state are my heroes, my peers, and my friends. Individually and collectively, they are responsible for an impressively large percentage of everything funny that currently exists in the world. Somehow, Corey Stoltz was able to convince all 437 original members of the state to tell their own stories in their own words for comedy nerds like me. It's essential reading. I mean, that's, that's pretty good, man. That's fantastic. Yeah, that was that was an awesome blurb. <laughs> very, very cool. I like that he threw a joke in there, but you, you could also tell it was you know coming from a sincere place. And I think that's what I mean. Just talking to not just the members of the state, but dozens of other people and comedians that have worked with them in the book. Everybody just loves the fact that they they really bring together this comedy community. It's like they've you know you see people like you know Christopher Guest who has his like comedy troupe and and. Uh, folks that just you know they kind of work with the same people over and over it's like the state people they they really have like put together this um this comedy mafia that actually was uh keegan <laughs> keegan michael key from key and peel that's kind of what he attributed them to and he kind of considers himself like a hitman within the group of the state which is pretty cool that's fantastic and yeah that's and they, they have worked with numerous people back in the day um like janine uh Garofalo, uh, they worked with right. uh, in in Wet Hot American Summer. They worked with Bradley Cooper. Right. All these people who are huge stars now, or you know Janine, she was pretty big back in the '90s. And I mean, they just yeah. they seem to attract this talent that they work with. W what about their chemistry? Do you think is allowed for that and and put all that together? You know, I think part of it is that there definitely have been this uh, very inclusive. You know, and it, they didn't really start out that way necessarily. I mean, they were inclusive within themselves, you know, with the 11 members when they were had a, the comedy troupe. And I think it took them kind of getting out a little bit and, and maybe close to like when they broke up to realize that, hey, you know, there's more than just these 11 people working in comedy. And wouldn't it be great to be able to kind of expand our horizons and work with some different folks who have some different ideas and, and things like that. So I think they quickly, you know, started glomming on to other folks. And I think people really why they were able to kind of hang on to these people and, and work with them time and time again is that they generally, I mean, genuinely really are nice people. Um, it's just, you know, you see them, they were a handful of them were just in San Francisco here for the San Francisco sketch fest in January. And just the folks who should show up to their shows just to see them um, just, you know, just so congenial. And you could just tell they really, really like these people. And I think a part of it is because they're just really nice. I mean, you know, they've worked in, in showbiz for long enough where they certainly could be jaded and jerks, but I didn't, you know, I don't get that from them at all. They've, they've been nothing but uh, 
uh, cool to me. That's fantastic. Well, when did uh, when did they first first come onto your radar? When when did you first discover them? Uh, when they were on the when, on the air on MTV, it was at um, the state um, started the winter after we graduated from high school. And it was just kind of one of those things, you know, a lot of us watched MTV back then and I'd always loved comedy and sketch comedy. And it was just like, whoa, what is this crazy show with these <laughs> young people? Like, you know, just it, almost like the anti Saturday Night Live. They weren't doing like, you know, timely bits and, and uh, rip from the headlines stuff. They were just doing really off the wall, surreal stuff. And I just loved it, you know, so I would, uh, you know, record episodes on VHS and watch them over and over again. And <laughs> it was, yeah, it's fantastic. And, and then of course, when they started working on, um, you know, other projects, uh, I still paid attention. Um, actually one of the first articles that I wrote for the college newspaper was on a show called Viva Variety that three of them did for Comedy Central. So that was my first time interacting with them was back in uh, back in college um, and they were very cool then so it was like over the years you know I'd had the opportunity to interview pretty much all of them for different projects and stuff but nothing specific you know to like the book and it, it did take a little bit of uh, you know convincing on my part to get them to agree to uh, to tell their whole story that's interesting this long history so you had that that interview then and then when a few of them were working on, was it a show, Stella, or no, was that a stage play? Stella, yeah, yeah. Stella, The um, I did a piece uh, on Stella when they were performing at um, Mizzou, actually. And so I got a chance to then talk to a couple of, the, a couple of them then and just, you know, continue to kind of like find a little bit of bits and pieces about their backstory. And I always, I guess in the back of my mind, I always thought they ha had an interesting story. And it wasn't until after um, I was able, I missed like this reunion that they were having in San Francisco. We had just moved to the Bay Area and this comedy festival went on sale. And I mean, their show like immediately sold out. And I went down and tried to get like a standing room only ticket, you know, kind of waited outside in front of the theater, wasn't able to get in. And, but that was, uh, that night got me thinking about, you know, somebody should tell their story. You know, there's, there's a story here for sure. Just to see all these people. I mean, they were, I wasn't the only one waiting outside. There were like dozens of people trying to get in, you know, get a, get a standing room only ticket. And it got me thinking, well, these guys, you know, they've got something and there's, they're, they still got fans that want to see them all perform together. Yeah. It seems like this is long storied history. They had enough TV coverage that, uh, that they developed that fan base. Um, one of the cool stories that you had wrote in there was when they jumped ship from MTV to go to CBS to go to network, thinking that was going yeah. to really launch their career. And uh, right. when, in right. fact, it turned out to be just not the right move because staying power at MTV would have been better. I think that was, you know, that was one of the great stories, uh, chapters in your book that really cover who they are. Thanks. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, they definitely. They all have kind of their version of, of how that went down, and I could tell. You know, I mean, I knew the story about the, the whole CBS thing. It was kind of an, a, an infamous article that ran in Details Magazine about you know the behind the scenes of that. And actually, the uh, the guy who wrote that article, I interviewed him for the book as well. So I knew a little bit about you know how they tried to go to CBS and it didn't work and they got canceled immediately. But what I didn't realize is like there were a lot of cracks. You know in the group already. I think they were, they were getting to the point of, you know, not wanting to, uh, 
they weren't all on the same page anymore. Let's put it that way. And so I think it was just, it took something like that to just say like, okay, well, that's it, you know, enough's enough. But yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's one of those uh, situations where you get some young people who have had a, a bit of taste of fame and, and think that it's time that they're, you know, they're ready to move on to the next step and they weren't necessarily, or they didn't feel like they were getting the best advice, you know, from their management and, you know, hindsight, well, it's, it's too late, you know, there's nothing they could do about it, you know, after they left and they certainly couldn't go back to MTV. So just, you know, it was a bummer, but I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, they, after that, I mean, you would think that would be the end of, of a lot of story, of group stories. That would be, you know, that would be it. But then the fact that they've, you know, gone on to do all these really, really cool projects together, you know, Reno and What Had American Summer and Stella and things like that is just, there's something about these uh, folks that the chemistry together that keeps drawing them back together. And when you look at it, so you had 11 people, and most of those people have gone on, as you just stated, to do big things. So, or they, they broke off into to subgroups. And I mean, they're all really, you know, geniuses, everyone that has kind of stood out on their own and has had their own level of fame. So you look at you have that many people in one group. Yeah, eventually it just gets to be too much. They were somewhat democratic. So, yeah, I could see how how that's going to fall through eventually. And and maybe the fact that it lasted as long as it it was was or as long as they did was just kind of um, something that one wouldn't expect kind of against the odds. Absolutely, yeah, for sure. I mean, because, you know, they, they worked together for almost their entire time, you know, together in college and then went right on to MTV and, and other things. It was like, they, you know, they worked together for a long time. And when they were working together, I mean, at college and the MTV years, I mean, they were together like six, seven days a week, you know, 16, 18 hours a day. So it was, you know, they, this was their lives. These were their, this was their family. You know, this is the people they saw all the time definitely did did uh was there any particular cast member that at the time when you watched them on television that that you were particularly enamored with that you thought yeah this person is you know has my style of comedy or is really you know the skits that they wrote really reached out and, and spoke to you yeah for sure i mean I, I thought they were all funny of course but um Tom Lennon, who has, you know, has gone on to do, you know, he did Reno, uh, co-created Reno 911 and has done a bunch of movies and stuff like that. There was something about him. He just kind of had that sort of everyman quality, but there was something about him that just, you know, whenever he was in a scene, um, he made it really special. And he created some really <laughs> off the wall, bizarre characters that, you know, only, only appeared one time, but they were, for whatever reason, those were the ones that I, I really, really liked. So yeah, he's... And then he was one of the first folks that I interviewed, and he's just been really, really cool to me over the years. So, yeah, I love uh, keeping up with his career. Um, and, yeah, he's always doing really cool stuff. Very cool. One of his, uh, Ben Garrett, is one of the, the members of, of the state that he is teamed up with. And they have, uh, I, I, I believe it's, it's Tom Lennon and Ben Garrett, that they have a screenwriting book, correct? They do, yeah. I mean, they've they've written dozens of scripts together, Probably, uh, you know, the most famous would be the the Night at the Museum movies um, that they did all three of those together. And yeah, it's just I think that they've uh, they got a really good rapport. Um, it just interesting to see the two interact. Um, very very cool guys. And yeah, it's just kind of one of those things, like one of these groups that you know offshoot of the state. I think at the time they really didn't write much together when they were in college or, or on the TV show. I think it was only after that that they just um, 
I think it was when they were trying to put together some kind of a movie for the state and, you know, the, the members were getting together and talking about a screenplay and stuff. And I think eventually it just came down to those two that kept showing up to these meetings. And I think that's when they started to realize that, hey, maybe we'd make a pretty good writing team. And it's cool to see the, you know, even after the main group broke up, that they kept those relationships. And then, you know, even the family, as you talked about the family, you know, that eventually came together. So even though at, at times there was some bad blood, um, you know, it was just like water under the bridge. So they, they got back to it. And uh, from what, what you've talked about seeing them, uh, are they still all pretty close, even though a lot of them aren't working together on, on bigger projects all the time? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think that there's, you know, there's a lot of history there. So I'm sure that, you know, there's times when, you know, somebody might, uh, you know, not be, you know, loving the, the person next to them to the degree that they could. But yeah, just seeing them interact together, um, you know, coming together after not seeing each other, you know, for a while or whatever, it's just like, you know, old times, you know, for them, it's definitely, it's not like a forced rapport. I mean, it, there's definitely love there, you know, among the members. And, and it's, that was really cool to see, you know, that um, we had uh, nine of them for, um, uh, a reunion for like the the book launch in Los Angeles last summer. And it was just so cool to like, you know, see them all arrive. And, and, you know, they hadn't seen uh, Todd who lives in South Korea for, uh, you know, a couple of years. And so just to see them all kind of get back into their mode. And then immediately they were trying to come up with bits for the show. And so they were like singing and <laughs> tossing out lines and things like that. And then we had like a really brief rehearsal on stage and it was just like i mean just to see them just immediately like jump into something without literally i mean we i think they rehearsed for like 10 minutes and they put together a, a really cool bit you know, for the show so there's definitely something there and i think they all realized that there's there's magic you know to their to the 11 of them being together and so it's you know, hopefully it's not the last time we see them all together on the same stage very cool very cool and hopefully we'll we'll see that and you'll have that documented as well and That'll be another another chapter in your story. So it's very cool. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's I mean, definitely uh, keeping up with uh, all the stuff that they're working on and, and trying, you know, and at some point, you know, depending on what they do, you know, what what kind of big projects they they have, I, I could certainly always uh, update the book as well. Very nice, man. Very nice. And and the cool thing about this, so when when I was reading, and you have the um, you have the transcript of the interview when for your uh, University of Missouri story when they were um, yeah when they were uh, touring Stella and it was cool and you kind of had mentioned to them in well I think flat out uh, had mentioned something about a book is anybody working on a book in that interview what, what year was that interview do you recall oh gosh that had to be like 2004 three or four Okay. All right. And then you wrote this book just maybe few... even sooner, maybe even maybe even earlier than that. It might have been like two thousand one or two. I'm not, I don't remember exactly. Okay. So then almost when, a... it was, yeah, it was a while ago. Okay. Cool. Then almost a decade later, you're at the at at the um, sketch fest that you just talked about, and uh, at that point, you heard Tom Lennon talk about you know about doing things in comedy, how to break into the industry. Tell that story and how that allowed you just to kind of kind of just uh, let go and just start writing this book or getting into it and, and making yeah, those content. I thought that was great. It was, <laughs> yeah. And at that point it was, so it was um, 
that particular sketch fest, I think it was the following year, um, maybe two years after that. And I'd already started to think about like, you know, what's the, what are the possibilities of, of doing a book? So I'd already, I've kind of started research on my own and pulled together a ton of, you know, articles that have been written about them and interviews with them and things like that, just to see like what was already available. And then, uh, Tom and, and Ben Garant and Carrie Kenny, the three folks who, um, did uh, Reno 911, they, came to Sketchfest and they were showing like they showed the original pilot for Reno and and some other little bits and pieces and stuff there and it was just kind of like an evening with them and uh you know Tom Lennon went on to say like hey you know if <laughs> if you want to do something you know you just need to start doing it <laughs> and act like it's you know <laughs> been okay for you to do it all along you want to be a hand model start being a hand model you know <laughs> and so it got me thinking like well you know I don't I don't think I need permission to, to start writing this book. Of course, it would be great for them to all be on board with it, you know, but at that point it was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to go forward with this. And, you know, it took some finagling and, you know, jumping through some hoops and things like that to get connected to all of them. Um, but eventually, you know, the stars sort of aligned and they, they finally all just were like, yeah, okay. If, if you're going to do it, do it, you know, let's see what comes of it. So it was a long process, but, uh, definitely rewarding yeah here you are with this book now um and was who, who was the first member that that you've talked to are well, you said tom lennon you interviewed but who was the first person who you got a hold of to to get this process going and were they helpful in in reaching out to the other cast members absolutely yeah so the um the first one that i i'd kind of pitched it to was kevin allison and he does uh, he's got a podcast called risk and he does, he tours around with it, does live shows and things. And so I had been in touch with him for um, a show that he was doing in San Francisco. And I just reached out to him and said, Hey, you know, uh, I, I'm interested in writing a book about the state would love the opportunity just to try to do a couple sample interviews with you just to see how it goes and, and uh, see if anything comes of it. And he was up for it. So we, uh, you know, started talking on the phone, you know, uh, over the weekends and, you know, I would talk to him, you know, do like an hour, hour and a half long interview and just, I mean, everything from his childhood and, you know, what the comedy that he was interested in as, you know, as a kid and, you know, how he, what, how he met the guys, you know, at the state at NYU and would just go on and on and on. And it just, it seemed like, okay, you know, I knew he was a good storyteller from his podcast, but it's like, okay, this could be, could be something. And I said, you know, who do you think would be um, really approachable about this? And so he put me in touch with with Carrie Kenny and she was open to it too. So I started doing interviews with her and then I had had contacts for a few of the other guys. I was able to find some, you know, let's find some contacts online. Um, and eventually was in touch with pretty much all of them. Um, and had done interviews with all of them. And then I think once that happened and they all started kind of talking, <laughs> they were like, okay, so who is this guy? And what is he doing? <laughs> we got to get to the bottom of this. So, um, so the following sketch fest, uh, Michael Showalter, um, pulled me aside and just said, okay, you know, if you're going to do this, you know, we kind of need to, you know, this is your thing, but you know, it would be, you know, we, we would love to know exactly what, you know, what you're planning to do. Um, <laughs> so they could, <laughs> yeah. so I kind of put together a proposal and, you know, sent it to all of them. And, and a lot, we, you know, there was a lot of email exchanges, uh, big chains and stuff with all of us on there. So, and, you know, I wanted to be, you know, completely transparent with them. I wasn't trying to be, you know, sneaky or anything like that. So anything, any kind of big decisions or things like that, or the status and stuff like that, I just always kind of kept them in the loop via like a chain email. But yeah, I, they've all, uh, all seemed to be pretty satisfied with the end result. 
That's cool, and I think what a great approach because I th- I think once you get one member going, and then as you'd stated, they they just throw out, okay, yeah, yeah, hey, I just talked to this guy. He's seemed pretty cool, you know, seemed you know on the up and up, and then yeah, and then it, it's that chain reaction. So very cool. Had you had waited to to get everyone to sign off, uh, who knows if this thing would have ever happened. So. Exactly, you know, and it was like one of those things where, if for whatever reason, if one of them didn't want to do it, you know, I probably would have had to pull the plug because it's like I really felt like it was going to have to be all or nothing. You know, it's like you don't want to. I didn't want to do the unauthorized, you know, version of this. I wanted it to be, you know, fully, you know, them to be fully on board and know what was happening, and you know. But there were there were only a couple of like little tiny things that they just said, you know, hey, you know, this is off the record, or we'd prefer not to have this in there, and it, it wasn't anything major. There was no like big shocking things that I was disappointed that they asked me to take out. So they were pretty forthcoming with a lot of information. Oh, definitely, and there it wasn't like this was just some glorious tale, and um, I mean, it was a glorious tale, but it wasn't something of oh, there's no dirt. I mean, it was really transparent. Uh, I mean, they put it out there, warts and all. So, uh, I mean, yeah, in their interviews, yeah. it's, yeah, hey, we made this mistake. We should have, yeah, looking back, we should have treated the MTV people with more respect. You know, they were, they were really <laughs> right. on our side when we were, we were dicks to them. So just, right. just in that nature, I, I thought, wow, this is, this is really cool. I like it when people are honest and they'll go deep and they'll look at it. And it's, you know, as a reader, you look at it, it's, you know, a bit of a cautionary tale that you get that fame at a young age then, uh, you know, be careful with it. Be careful how you act. Um, you know, look at how it might change for you one day. And and I think they definitely dealt with that when when things weren't happening for them and they were pretty freaked out. And, uh, you know, had they had had their mindsets been different or had, as you'd stated, with the management, better management to have them stick with the MTV people, ride that out. I mean, who knows what that entity of the state would have been. You know, maybe that would have, some of those cracks would have been filled in. They would have kind of worked things out at that point. Although who knows, like we talked about with 11 really creative minds. Yeah, who who knows? But yeah, I mean, very, very cool, man. I mean, very cool just to have that level of storytelling and just like just... It's like a roller coaster ride. You're getting the highs and lows, and it was just super cool. And uh, yeah, it's, I'm, I really appreciate that they were as um, as open as they were, and and very uh, giving with their time. You know, obviously they're very busy folks. You know, and it's I definitely wanted it to be, you know, not just a a glossy you know Hollywood tale. I wanted it to you know to have some drama in it as well. You know, and it's it definitely does. And you had a lot of drama, and I found um, I found Kevin Allison's story very compelling. You know, someone that he had he had this group of people that he was close with in college. They formed the state. They're having success. A lot of the other members go on afterwards. They're having a lot of success. He's really not. He's a bit depressed, and then you know things aren't fully working out for him. But then, through a conversation with one of the other members. It then his podcast springs up, and it seems like I mean I just started listening to it. Uh, I put on an episode last week, and the stories. I mean it it seems really well produced. The stories are deep, something that really just grabs a hold of you. And it's I was you know I found as to reading the book, and I'm, I'm spoiler alert. I should have gave that out, but uh, you know I was really hooked into. I wanted to see something good happen, and when it did, it just it felt really good, and I found myself kind of cheering right. for him that that he himself found 
that thing that was his uniquely. And it's something that, that right. really just, just gave him that passion, you know, once again to create. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, you know, and then as you mentioned, you know, it's, he was kind of inspired to do that from, from Michael Ian Black, you know, seeing his one man show and being like, dude, you know, stop, you know, playing characters. It's like your, your honesty is what's really compelling. And it was just like, I think that light bulb went off and it was, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I think it, Kevin's podcast has uh, impacted a lot of people's lives and it's just, you know, it, it's fantastic that he's able to take it around the world, and, you know, that he's definitely found his niche. And so, yeah, that was, I really wanted to, you know, include that in there, that chapter, just so, you know, to, to let, you know, the story be told that, hey, you know, here's here's a happy ending essentially for everybody. Definitely, definitely. And then, you know, just going back to that Stella interview, um, and Michael Ian Black was one of those guys. Um, who else was it? It was um, Showalter's brother. Was I mean that right. that particular yeah. Yeah. section of the book was really funny, and it just it kind of cracked yeah. me up because I know you are growing up with you, just kind of picturing you talking <laughs> to these guys, and they're just totally off the wall in that interview. So that was that was that oh section yeah, was I, was just, I mean there was like you know there was like nothing that came out of that that was like useful for an article. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you know that's what that's what those guys did sometimes when they were doing Stella interviews is they were just like screwing <laughs> with the reporter, which you know uh, at the time was like I mean it was it was entertaining but it was kind of frustrating and it was like but you know it was nice to have it for the book. You know, did, did you have audio of that interview? Were we recording that? To, oh yeah, for... <laughs> yeah. There's a recording of that. Yeah, yeah. So so what drew you to uh, you know this book is interview style. So I, as reading it, right. You know, I definitely, in my mind, I could see a documentary, you know, having made yeah. documentaries. But what, uh, is that typically your style when, when writing, or is that just something you did just for this book? I, you know, I, I dabble in that with um, with interviews with comedians just because I feel like um, rather than me trying to interpret their words or, or, you know, reinterpret their words and change things around, that I just, I like the um, the back and forth that can, you know, that can happen with a, a really good, um, you know, comedy interview. And I love the oral history style of, of articles that like, you know, spin magazine used to do really cool ones and, and vanity fair and, and entertainment weekly and stuff. will do some short ones now and then, but I just, I really love that. Like, um, entertainment history is kind of told by the folks who were there with, you know, with minimum, you know, narration from the author. And so that was always my intention to do it in that style. Um, of course, it makes it a lot longer, you know, <laughs> just because you've got so many different voices and stuff in there, and none of them are short on words. But yeah, I just from the very beginning, I thought that I was hoping that that style would work. And fortunately, I think it's just because these guys um, are so in sync with each other that even though a lot of the interviews were done one on one with them, they flow into each other like a conversation when we're talking about the same topic. So it's almost like we're all sitting around a table together because it's like, you know, it's almost like one is finishing the other one's sentence, even though they weren't mm -hmm. in the same interview. And did you have, did you just have one interview with each member or did you go follow up as the story unfolded? Oh gosh. No, there's, um, I would say there's probably three or 400 hours of interviews. Um, at least I probably have, I probably talked to all of them uh, at least a dozen times each and, you know, some more than others. And, and some things would just be like quick follow-ups or an email like, Hey, can you, um, can you clarify this or can you add a little bit to this? But yeah, it was, I mean, 
what typically happened was, you know, I'd talk to somebody and they'd tell me two more stories that involved like, you know, three other members and then I'd have to get their take on it. So it was like every, every, every interview, you know, kind of informed the next interview. Nice. Nice. And it was mostly phone interviews. It was mostly phone interviews. Yeah. It was a handful of in-person stuff. Um, but you know, I'm based in the Bay area. Most of them are down in Southern California and then uh, a couple of them are East coast guys. So yeah, it was whenever we could, you know, free up time evenings and weekends and whenever we could, you know, Sometimes it was like, okay, I got 10 minutes right now. You know, I'm on break from, you know, on set, you know, and I'd have to jump on the phone real quick. So nice. But yes, a lot, a lot, a lot of interviews to go through. <laughs> cool, cool. And then, yeah, I mean, that's the cool thing now with technology. I mean, we've always had the phone, but now with cell phones, you can be anywhere. Somebody texts you, they have 10 minutes yeah. for an interview, and you're like, okay. Well, I mean, it's not like you're in the old answer machine days. So it's, I mean, we <laughs> right, probably, right. you know, this conversation's great through the, through the marvels of technology. Here we are speaking. So very cool, Yeah, man. exactly. I mean, it, it would have been, yeah, a lot tougher to do it, um, you know, 15 years ago, for sure. <laughs> That's a lot bigger challenge. Yeah, and then going through, did you transcribe your, um, our, I guess, so do I, you record the interview, did, like, when you're, when you're yes. doing it? Okay. Yes, I did, um, I did some of the transcriptions. I used some software to do that, and then... Um, Partway through the process, um, a really, really good friend, uh, Kate, who's got the co-dedication of the book, she did a lot of the transcriptions and stuff for me, um, which was wonderful because it just it, it saved so much time because it was, I mean, all in all, the, the book, you know, I was working on it, you know, pretty consistently for, uh, you know, about four and a half years. And so I think it would have taken even longer if, if she, she probably did a good 60, 65% of the transcriptions. Nice, nice. And then it's it's cool. I mean, I've done that with transcriptions, and it's just like you copy and paste, you're moving things around. I mean, it's a lot to, with 400, 400 hours. Oh, my gosh. That's a, that's a lot. But, <laughs> it's uh, a lot, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you, you put it together really well. So I really... Thank you. Yeah, it's a, that was... Uh, yeah, I mean, just it's, it really is... Uh going through and then you you know you're you're reading back to it and they're like oh didn't so and so talk about this and then you got to go back and find that interview and find that quote and yeah it was uh it was definitely more editing than writing yeah know? did you have any way of do you, do you have any way that you catalog these kind of things or do you have notes or anything where um, you put this particular subject and you can easily you know, pull it up or search. not really. I mean, once I had, once I had the transcription, you know, if it was something, um, you know, if I was looking for, you know, particular, you know, subject matter or something like that, if it was like Reno 911 or something, I'd literally just, I'd have all the, you know, the interviews, the transcriptions in a folder and I just hit the search, you know, do a, do a word search or something. And oh, perfect. Comes up. That's good, yeah. man. Yeah. That's a safe sign of the technology. That's cool. Do you, do you have a particular interview style? I mean, what, what, what would you say your style is when you're talking to people? I mean, you're very personable, so I can I imagine that comes across really well. Yeah, I hope so. It's, I mean, I, I definitely try to um, get to a comfort level, you know, pretty quickly. I don't like to just, like, dive right in with a hard-hitting question. It's like I want to, you know, I want them to feel like this is a, you know, a friendly conversation as opposed to, like, a grilling, you know, so... I, that's always seemed to work for me. Um, I always try to, um, you know, do my research ahead of time and, you know, kind of know what subjects we're going to be hitting and, th you know, things like that. And so I'm not like, you know, fumbling with my words and, and things during the interview. But, yeah, I, I've always had pretty good luck with just, um, you know, good conversation. And, you know, I, I don't try to uh, browbeat anybody or, or pressure them or anything like that. And I think that tends to, like, put people's guard down a little bit. And I will probably, you know, it probably get some quotes and 
and them to talk about some things that they wouldn't necessarily with somebody who's kind of like they can sense is trying to get them to to open up more than they want to. Or somebody that's just like just a barrage of questions. Kind of we, we talked about when I saw you last when you were visiting that, uh, or maybe it was online that that Jerry Lewis interview, which. Uh, yeah, which that, that was like yeah. the big thing at the time on on Facebook and social media. People were talking oh, yeah. that that writer and Jerry. I mean, he's very curt. Jerry is, and uh, I mean, he's yeah. what ninety two yeah. years old. But uh, what, what was your what, what are your views on that? I mean, I don't even know if people can remember that story anymore. The way uh, new yeah, things pop I mean, up I, every I minute. That, yeah. It, interesting is like you know so it was a, a series of, that the Hollywood Reporter was doing on like I think it was performers who are like 90 years and, and older who are still out there and still vibrant and stuff so it was like Jerry Lewis and Don Rickles and Cloris Leachman and Mel Brooks and a bunch of these just like you know legends you know so um, I'm thinking if you know if you're going in to interview a legend um, first off you know you, you better know your stuff two it's, I mean, I've never interviewed Jerry Lewis before, but I've just known, you know, I've just heard through the grapevine or read articles and stuff that he is kind of, a, you know, kind of a curt individual and, <laughs> and you know, not the, not the easiest interview. So knowing that, it's like, okay, then you got to prepare a certain way. And then kind of, you know, I listened to the, to the interview and it's just the stuff that they put, you know, online. It's just like, a, it's pretty cringeworthy, but, you know, it comes across that I guess they did the photo shoot first and he was already irritated then. So it's like, you know... Knowing that as a reporter, you've got to approach the situation, um, you know, delicately and and ease into it, you know, and, and you know, find out what's going to work, whether it be compliments or you know, talking about stuff that you know he likes to talk about first <laughs> before you get into like the, you know, the the hard hitting stuff. But you know, clearly Jerry was not playing. You know, he was he was not on board. But and I don't know if like nervousness just got the best of the guy. Or what? He appeared to be a young uh, guy like from, from what I heard. I just sounded it, his it, voice. It, he appeared it, like a pretty young yeah, guy, the interviewer. It, right. It did seem that way. And it's like, oh, man, but it's like, okay, young or not. I mean, if you've got that, if this is your gig and this is, you know, the, your whole theme of the article is uh, people in their 90s that have been working in show business for 60, 70 oh, years. Yeah, I agree. You better do your research. You well, well, the problem is, you know, with, you know, a lot of outlets are just like, all right, let's get the kid right out of college or let's get somebody that we don't have to yeah. pay and this and that. Right, and, right. you know, hey, I get it. All right, it's business. But then you, you're interviewing this legend and other legends. I wonder how Don Rickles was. But and, and then it's, yeah, then you don't get anything. So it's kind of like, all right. And then you just blew your shot with Jerry Lewis because I'm sure he's like, I don't want to talk to this guy. I don't want to talk to you know, USA Today or what was that, whatever that publication you said was. But yeah, that's just, that's kind of crazy. I heard him with, with Mark Maron. I don't know if you listen in, listen to Mark Maron's podcast at all. Yeah. Um, oh, sure. And sure. He, yeah. he had an old interview that he, he wasn't going to post because it was one of these deals. And I think the, the publicist, you know, Mark said, Hey, I need to get an hour. Okay. And, and then they, they set up the interview with Jerry at the end of the day. So Jerry had done all these other interviews and then a half an oh. hour, half an hour in, he just shuts down, and it's just like, ah, yeah. I'm, I'm tired of doing this, and yada yada. And Mark Marin was just kind of like, oh, okay, well, yeah. I mean, he, uh, Mark Marin handled it really well, but it was, you could tell, it was awkward for him because he's, you know, he yeah. was, he, and and he was great, you know, being a comedian himself, being an older guy, he really had this good flow going, and and I think the problem with the interviewer for that that we we're just talking about he just has so many just yes or no questions 
and, and Jerry's just I like, know. yeah, no, yeah, and it's like, yeah, were you going to get anything? He's just, oh, it's crazy. Yeah, no, I mean that's just, I mean that's like interviewing one hundred and one. I mean you just you don't go in there with that many yes or no questions, but it's just ridiculous. But yeah, I, I didn't, I had no sympathy for the guy. You know, <laughs> just, you know. Did you? Uh, so so when writing, you know, you spent all this time with the members of the state. Did you find yourself? Uh, did you develop any bonds with these with these cast members with these 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 amazing talents? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I felt like you know, it's like we're not um, you know we're not getting beer you know on the weekends or whatever together. But it's you know, yeah, when I see them now, and you know, you'd mentioned that we're, you know we're kind of working on a documentary based on the book. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're very very nice. Um, uh, definitely with you know. Kevin Allison for sure. I mean, it's, I feel kind of like we're pals, you know, he's, uh, you know, very, very down to earth guy. And, you know, I feel like I could, you know, ask him, you know, questions off the, you know, just send him an email like, Hey, Kevin, what do you think about this? And, you know, he'll reply pretty quickly. And so, yeah, no, it's, I mean, I feel like it wasn't just a, you know, a interviewer interviewee type relationship, you know, especially with, you know, spending as much time, you know, with them and, and getting this, these kind of details and stuff. And I'm sure they were telling me stories that they hadn't told, you know, other folks before that they probably felt, you know, some kind of a, a little bit of a, of a bond there, you know, as much as you can with a, with a reporter. Well, if anything, that, that trust, yeah, that level of trust is huge. And, and do you feel as, yeah. as someone that has been a fan of theirs all those years that, you know, some... Did you find it hard at any time to be objective or was it, or that's what you went in, you know, you wanted to get the richest story that you possibly could? Yeah. I mean, I, I really wanted to tell, you know, tell the full story, you know, so it was like, I, I didn't let anything, you know, like that kind of, um, you know, being a fan at all, uh, you know, kind of shroud anything like, you know, the, the good, you know, chunks of drama or anything like that. Um, you know, I think it helped that I was a fan cause I was able to, um, you know, get in and talk about a lot of the specifics, you know, and the shows and things like that. And it was like a lot of stuff that I didn't, a lot of questions I didn't have to ask them that were very basic just because I was a fan. So it was like, you know, we probably knocked 30% of the, you know, questions that they get every interview out of the way, you know, with me not having to ask those. Yeah, very cool. And and that's one thing that I felt you did really well. And and I'm gonna have to go. I'm gonna have to either pick up on DVD or I don't know if if any of their if any of the shows on demand or anything. I haven't seen it, but uh, I thought the, the the way you listed out all the episodes and what happened in there and then the stories. Had I seen that at the time, they you know when when they were popular and those came out, I was in the Navy, so there wasn't really that access. But uh, right. I, I think it's something that I'll have interest going back after watching some of these skits. I meant to do it before we talked, but it just didn't work out. But going back, yeah. checking it out, then reading it again, I think it'll be it'll be a new experience reading you know those those areas about the skits. For sure, for sure, yeah. And that's you know I didn't want to have that section be like really, really, really long, just because it's like you know for the for the diehard fans, you know, they're going to know what the sketches are about. Um, so I didn't want it to be like a, you know, an episode guide with like lengthy descriptions of all these sketches, you know, cause that's for people who, you know, hadn't seen the show then, you know, it's, I don't know how much of that they would want to read too. Um, so I thought it was just, you know, kind of having brief descriptions and then having them kind of tell some stories about the creation of these characters or what was happening at the time, you know, when this was sketch was put together. I thought that was more interesting than just like a long drawn out, you know, rehashing of the sketch 
Agreed, agreed. But isn't enough to give that background and to kind of get into, without seeing it, to get into what they were all about and really understand just the quirkiness and, and just their unique brand of comedy. So, yeah, no, I, I, right. I felt that was well done. You, you hit that one on the head. And then, um, you know, it, it's surprising that, you know, the popularity that they've had with the different things that they've done and the fact that all these guys started out together that uh, before this book, you know, nobody's really done anything expansive on them. I know. It's. I mean, I'm, I'm glad. Yeah, no, <laughs> no it makes it, you're the guy. <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, I mean, it was, a, it was a little bit surprising because like these days, I mean, you know, who hasn't had a book written about them? But I think part of it was probably just because it was so many of them, such a, you know, such a big undertaking, you know, with 11 people. Um, and I realized pretty quickly after, ta- you know, talking with them, it's like, it's, I don't think it should just be their voices. I, you know, there's so many of these people that they keep mentioning that's like, they should be part of it too. I mean, it was part of their story, which is why I, you know, went back and, and talked to the folks, you know, from the producers and, and uh, the MTV executives and uh, their co-stars and things like that. So there's, you know, there's quite a few voices in the book. So it's, uh, you know, anybody that wanted to do it, you know, in that style, I mean, it's, it was going to take a long time for sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's probably a few people out there that are like, hey, this would be an interesting. Let's do a book on the state. And they're like, nah, that's crazy. That's too much work. And then here you come. Yeah. You're like, yeah, let me, I'm going to interview Kevin Allison. And then it's like, oh, man, this is cool. And, and just, just everything that went with it. And the fact that you self-published this thing is amazing. I mean, that's definitely, yeah, you jumped oof. head first, man, in these murky waters. <laughs> I know. It was, uh, you know, it was, that, that was kind of crazy, but it was, as I was getting, you know, close to the end of the of the writing process and, and you know, and the editing process and starting to think about like, okay, well, what, you know, how are we going you know, to put this out and, and talking to some publishers and stuff, um, the ones that were the most interested, um, it, it just after kind of reading over their proposal and things like that, it just seemed like I was going to be doing almost as much work as I ended up doing, and yet they were going to be the ones who were going to be making the money off of it. So I thought, you know what, let me do some research um, and, and and talk to some folks who have done, you know, self-publishing and, and, and just kind of see what the ins and outs are. And, and you know, the more the more time I spent looking into it, it's like, you know, this is definitely doable. Um, and, and coming from a publishing background, you know, working for, you know, newspapers and magazines, it's like I wasn't, you know, completely ignorant about, you know, that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it definitely took some time and, and there were some some hurdles there but uh i would definitely recommend self-publishing to people for sure and you found on your own as far as your your marketing your your pr all that that i mean that's one thing you get you go with a bigger company they already have that machine in place if if they want to support the book you know i mean you just like when another story you had when they went to um cbs when the state went to cbs they just they didn't promote the show you know, it wasn't in right, TV guide. Right. So here you are, you have these guys thinking, all right, we've made it to the big time. And then, oh, wait, where's our show? We're not in, we have this holiday special. <laughs> We're not with all the other holiday specials and TV guide. I mean, is that knowing this story was that, did that uh, affect your decision at all to self publish? Uh, it, it didn't only because, you know, after leaving, you know, once I moved away from St. Louis, I kind of got out of full time um, working for the, working in the media and moved into marketing. So it's like, I've been, I've been working in marketing, um, you know, for almost a decade. And so it's like, man, I know how to do 
<laughs> so I know how to put out a press release and, and, you know, I did, I had some help. I mean, I've, I've, there's folks that, you know, you, you, as you work in whatever industry, obviously you're going to build contacts over the years. So it's like, I definitely utilized some, you know, asked, had some favors and things like that, that I asked of, of folks to help spread the word and, and actually, um, you know, Kevin Allison's publicist um, works with a lot of comedians. And so I worked with her directly, you know, knowing that she had a lot of links to people and, you know, she was very helpful. I mean, she got me on Entertainment Weekly Radio and in Rolling Stone and, and a lot of these um, big comedy, you know, websites and stuff. So I, it, I didn't do it all myself, but it's like I, I knew, you know, the right people to connect with and, and work with. Very cool. Yeah. yeah I mean, because it's one of those things that is not knowing what somebody's going to put into it. Um, right. Yeah. So it's like you had stated, I, I'm going to give you all this money. You're going to, you know, you're going to reap the rewards and, and are you going to, you know, are you going to follow up on your word? Are you going to, you going to push this book out? And so, yeah, there's a lot to be said about doing it yourself and, you know, being in control of your own destiny. I mean, there's ups sure. and downs of course, but uh, it seems like you're, you're pretty satisfied with that decision. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, and you know, interviewing comedians over the years, it's like, uh, you know, with the advent of social media, they've all had to become marketers, you know, all these folks that, you know, even the members of the state, I mean, they're marketing themselves constantly. It's like, you just, I mean, there's the the outlets are out there, you know, the mediums are there. Um, And so it's just, you know, kind of learning how to do it and trial and error and going from there. But yeah, no, I I felt that I wasn't too worried about the the marketing PR side of things because I I was pretty comfortable in that already. It was just, you know, kind of the the ins and outs of the the self-publishing world of like, you know, which distributors to work with and, you know, how to, to put together an ebook and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then putting this all together on your own, one thing that, that is great about this book is there's a ton of supporting material, photos. You had, um, it was, uh, you had one of the, I guess, one of the pitches that they, that they had the CBS. You had just all this great supporting material to the story. How was it getting that? Did the, any one member of the state were they like uh, the archivist, you know, the the one guy that keeps all the clippings and this and that? Or how did you go about putting all these materials together, these great photos and illustrations and all that? It was. I mean, they came from from quite a variety of sources, but yes, there there are a couple of um, of like historians within the group. Um, Joe Latrulio being the main guy, um, I went to his um, his place in L.A. and we sat down one day, and he he had these huge scrapbooks that had like you know articles going back to their college days to when you know um, doodles and like you know lists of sketches and things like that and photos, and it was just like these huge great, great books. And then as we were going through them, of course, that would prompt stories and stuff. So it was just a really good uh, time spent with him because I think we, we got a lot of that kind of stuff um, from there. And he, he had quite a few photos. David Wayne um, also had a ton of photos that he shared. And, you know, they, they all, you know, sent me stuff. Um, I got stuff from like Tom Lennon's dad and Carrie Kenny's dad and um, their old... Uh, costume prop person from the state she had a bunch of photos and storage that that she pulled out for me and scanned that was i mean those are fantastic because there just weren't a lot of uh of photos from the mtv days because you know back then um you know when like press kits you would get you know maybe like two or three black and white photos of the cast you know for a show and that was your your you know all your artwork 
nowadays, of course, you know, with everything being digital, there's just dozens and dozens of, of photos to choose from, but not, that was not the case back in 1994. So um, getting some of those, you know, photos from the set were, was just fantastic, you know. Yeah, it's wonderful. It, just, it really supported the story. The, you know, when you introduced the cast members at the beginning, then with the, uh, you know, you had childhood photos, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, I found myself right. reading it because I was <laughs> not having known these guys or watch the state. You know, it, I had to piece together who they all were because some of the childhood photos I couldn't figure out. And then so right. it, it, it was kind of fun. By the time I got to the end of the book, I realized who everyone was. And I guess I could have yeah. just went and Googled or did something like that and figured it out. But I don't know. It was kind of fun going through it and, and just looking at the photos and like, OK, now I know who this guy is. And I was constantly right. going to. You have a couple great photos on the uh, on the cup front cover, looking at that. And all right, now now I've put this name to the face. Okay, now I've got this one, and and yeah, I think I'm covered now. So that that was kind of a bit of fun there. But also one thing that I I really like as well, looking on the back cover, you have this great like caricature. Um, this guy Glenn Hansen. Was this something that was done before the book, or was this done for the book? No, it was actually done for the book, and it was uh, interesting. So, the the cover, the covers of the book, was probably one of the bigger debates, you know, that we had, uh, you know, with the state. And, you know, despite the fact that all along they said, "Hey, this is your book. This is your book," they certainly had some some strong opinions about a handful of things, and the cover was one of them. So, um, it was really hard to come by photos of all eleven of them, of them together, you know. So there were only a couple of images. Um, you know, there was the MTV publicity photos, um, and then there were a couple of photos that were taken around that that same time frame with all eleven of them in it. And then there was a couple of uh, there was a photo shoot done with them just about five or six years ago, where there's like a few different poses of them. So we were kind of limited there, you know, in what we could have for as far as the you know photos of all of them for the cover. So we tried a few different things. Like I tried a uh, um, cause one of the photos of them altogether is like almost like a kindergarten class photo kind of thing <laughs> where they're kind of like, some of them are sitting Indian style and, you know, yeah. um, so <laughs> tried that, you know, and it was, it was okay. You know, it was, it kept going back and forth. And then I mentioned about, you know, Hey, what would you think about, you know, some kind of like a, like a caricature, you know, kind of thing, like a drawing of all of you guys. And they seemed, you know, open to that. And I knew of Glenn Hansen's work. He's done some really, really cool stuff. Um, he does a lot of, lot of celebrity stuff. And so, um, reached out to his people and he was open to doing a piece. And so put that together. And then after they saw it, like, this is great, um, for the back cover, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, okay, all right, back to square one. So and like, I just dropped um, a ton of cash on this. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it ended up being a blessing in disguise because I was able to get in touch with the photographer who had, you know, shot that photo of them from, you know, back in, you know, was it like probably like 89 or 90 or something. Um, she's, you know, still a photographer. She's just a documentary filmmaker. And she actually helped me design the cover. So, and, and she's become a pal as well. So nice. Amy Rockland, um, yeah, works down in LA. And, and it was actually then um, through that, she came and shot photos of, the uh the show and the, and the book signing and she was able to kind of reconnect with some of the guys from the state that she probably hadn't talked to in a while so i think it was a good thing for both of us no, i definitely think it was it was the right choice um seeing the before and after seeing where they were back then and then uh you know where they are now and then i think in the back it just it works great because you know either way 
that you have the book sitting, it's uh, looks good. So yeah, no, I I think it was a right choice. Looks really cool. Um, yeah, well done there. And then you had a chance to work with um, Joe Anders, so you know one of your close friends growing up. Yeah, yeah, um, you know mutual friend there. But um, yeah, that was cool. He did some really cool in- illustrations. I like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle one when uh, the guys went on, <laughs> yeah. went on the road for that promotion. And that was just that really, like I said, the supporting materials that you put into this really helped just tell that story. I mean, what? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it was easy for you to chat with Joe and bring him on board. How did that really come about? Well, you know, Joe had, um, you know, we, we worked together on little projects and stuff over the years. And, and Joe did some really great uh, caricatures for my first book, which was uh, called Laugh Lines, which is a bunch of interviews with comedians. And he did some of the some pieces for that. And so, of course, I knew how talented he was. He, you know, works as an artist. Um, and there were just some pieces of uh, of artwork that just or photos that just didn't exist, like the uh, Michael Ian Black and, and Ben Garant, who did the Ninja Turtle thing. They just didn't have any photos of them as the Ninja Turtles. I just I don't think there was one that exists. <laughs> so. It's like, okay, but I wanted to have, I wanted to be able to illustrate that story. And so Joe did a really nice piece, you know, obviously with them in the turtle suits. And there were some sketches from the MTV show that just photos didn't exist. And so, you know, he did pieces for that. And I thought he did a really nice piece of the, uh, the Rio 911 cast. And yeah, it's just, it was nice to have a, you know, kind of some multimedia in there. Um, Cause there's some, also some drawings that uh, Joe Latruglio did, you know, back when they were a college group. So I loved having the, you know, illustrations and photos and infographics and stuff like that throughout the book. Yeah, it's great. It just really, it just, everything really popped and it just made, you know, even greater experience, you know, and that following their journey. So that was, uh, that was super cool. Um, yeah, I need, I need to pick up the comedian's book. You know, I meant to do that years ago, but kind of got sidetracked. So now I'm, I'm really stoked about it, especially after reading this one. So that'll putting that on my list and we'll have to talk about that cool. sometime now yeah. when, when uh, you know my first introduction to a lot of these guys was, was recently when i watched the netflix version of uh, wet hot american summer i had yeah, i yeah, really didn't yeah. know of the original <laughs> but uh you know i watched the new one then i went back and watched the original and so that gave me an, uh, an idea of who a few of these guys were and then realizing how they got their start was really cool were, were you a fan of the of Wet Hot when that came out back in early 2000? Yes, I, I can't recall if I saw Wet Hot in the movie theater or not. If if not, I, I caught it, you know, right when it came out on DVD and um, just loved it. I mean, it's, you know, a very, very cool spoof of uh, 1980s camp movies and just jam-packed with their bizarre humor. And uh, to see it continue on, you know, 15 years later with a series on Netflix and they've got a second season coming out this summer, it's awesome that they're, you know, able to to kind of keep that wet hot uh, thing going. And it, and it was nice to see this um the story behind you know why it, they wrote a movie about camp. Just their yes. just uh show Walters and and who else was who uh, was it David Wayne as well? David Wayne, yeah, yeah, they, they yeah, that's right. he directed, had, you know, yeah, he he directed summer camp stories, original. you know, yeah. Yeah, so going <laughs> back and and seeing like their inspiration. So somebody anybody that is uh, interested in screenwriting, making movies, and just looking at that work, going to your book and reading about their experiences. I think that's that's a good way to see how one can take their own experiences and put them into 
into a movie and and of course it was that it was that quirky humor that I wasn't really you know I didn't know these guys I didn't know their right. their history of the state or you know Reno 911 you know I'm familiar with a few of them on Comedy Central but it, it was kind of cool to really get in the inside of that and I love the fact that um just how they were all just you know it rained every day but they were still you know they they still pulled it off i mean that's not something that i you know really noticed when i was watching it and and just the fact how just that camaraderie just everybody in the cast is basically a summer camp experience as an adult making a movie so it was right, you know right. I, I thought that was another great story that stood out to me that that that's just memorable and and you have many of them in this book where it's just like oh yeah that was great you know that's something that'll that'll stick with me and whenever i see that or you know hear these guys names i'm going to think about your book um how did you know looking at like cult films i guess uh i, I mean how do you compare this to other cult films i know you're you're a fan of uh, of those kind of things and uh i mean you were a big fan yeah. of uh you know tivoli screenings of now i can't i just completely <laughs> blanked on the tim curry uh the super oh, pop- right the rocky horror picture rocky show. horror yeah, yeah. Rocky horror. my gosh i'm getting old yeah. my my brain is not functioning <laughs> yeah i know i think this definitely you know I, I love when when a movie you know finds that cult audience and you know of course i'm sure they would have loved it to be a hundred million dollar hit at the theater and, and it wasn't but you know i think that then it wouldn't probably have the life that it has now and you know the whole midnight screening you know people you know knowing the lines and shouting out dialogue and stuff i think it's fantastic i mean it's just um it's funny you, know, you talk to some people and they're like you know oh if i've you know go out with uh, somebody on their you know, on a first date and, and they don't know what had american summer i know there's not going to be a second date you know it's like that, <laughs> that kind of stuff <laughs> you were you know it's just uh yeah no i think it's it's definitely up there um you know with with some of the the very very cool you know cult films like spinal tap and you know no, none of the ones yeah, immediately come to mind. I, I love Spinal Tap. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's definitely one that stands out there for me. Do you feel that the new Netflix show that that held up to what they originally created? I think so. Yeah, I think that they were able to go back and. Uh, so I think a lot of people were concerned, like, "Oh man, is it like you know what's this going to be? You know, a show and you know the, the movie was so great. Is this going to?" ruin the the movie and no, i thought it was not i think they were really able to recreate that vibe um and especially getting the whole cast back together that was fantastic and so i'm sure whatever they do for the follow-up is going to be great you know it's just i i got to actually hear some bits and pieces um last month um you know from them I, like what's going to be happening in the show and it sounds like it's going to be really really funny very cool yeah i i felt it you know i it held my interest and the fact that they were all so much older and recreating these yeah. like <laughs> these kids in high school or yeah just right. I, you know i thought <laughs> yeah. it held up pretty well that uh it was believable so yeah that that was that was yeah enjoyable viewing so i'm looking forward to seeing the next chapter of uh, how these characters evolve so that's super cool yeah we'll just go i'm going to go over a few more stories a couple other questions sure. and then we'll wrap up but man this has been really exciting to uh just yeah no, i know i really appreciate it. this has been awesome yeah yeah my pleasure um another story that i thought really stood out was the road trip after i guess they were on hiatus for a season and it was uh it was what michael ian black it was ken marino it was uh it was joe and then it was uh michael showalter and uh right joe right, latrulio yeah. is that is that how i say his name 
Uh, yeah, Latrulio. Yeah. Latrulio. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and and just the fact when they were in the van, and then uh, you, Michael Ian Black falls asleep. I mean, it was just. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, it's it really flashed me back to just like thinking back to some like college road trips and and stuff. Just like, oh wow, yeah. I mean, I could you totally see that happen. It's like, you know, they're running on fumes or staying out late, meeting fans, you know, it's just, uh, of course, you know, somebody might be a little bit tired <laughs> driving like at dawn and it's just, um, yeah, I just, the way they tell the story, um, you can totally picture them off-roading and all of a sudden it's like, you know, insanity, you know, you wake up in the back seat and you're just like flying through trees. I mean, it's, that had to be just nuts, you know, thank goodness, you know, nobody was, was horribly injured. Um, but yeah, I, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. But you definitely you captured that, that drama the way you pieced it together uh, with them telling the story. I mean, it just felt like I was there and just thinking about my own experiences. And that happened to Tom Bober and I once. So he oh, uh, wow. he's driving. <laughs> it was you know we stayed up too late. We were going out to like some some camping trip or something. And then of course I was like, it's kind of cold. I turned the heat on and yeah. And I'm sleeping. The next thing I know, I think he's sleeping and see some, <laughs> see some like one of these rock walls, like ah, stuff flying oh, around gosh, from the yeah. back seat. And yeah. So yeah, I'm thinking of like, as I'm reading your story, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember a similar situation. Fortunately, you know, we, it was, you know, not the, the outcome wasn't as bad. We didn't total MTV's van. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so just nice yeah, little touches in there. And then, and just looking at it, you know, it, you know, we talked earlier, a cautionary tale with them talking about how to deal with that fame and having that power. And these guys just coming out of college, you know, that's pretty amazing getting a show right out of college and just how those different connections, you know, put that all together. It was really cool. Um, what are, what are the few of the stories that really stand out to you when you're looking back at the book that you're really proud of how they came out and just, or something that really keeps your attention or that, that you would share with somebody that you were telling to read the book or something that I should share to somebody who, uh, you know, I, I want to read this book as well. Well, I like that I was able to, um, you know, add, add some personal stuff into the last chapter, which is like their the last time they reunited back in 2014. Since I was actually able to be there for the um, all the rehearsals and everything, and just to kind of see what it, what it takes to put on a show, and just how amazing it is that they're able to, you know, pull something off so quickly. Uh, love that, you know, it just to kind of it was like having this like all all access pass, you know, to their their creativity was amazing. Um, Gosh, I just, you know, I think that they, I loved hearing about some of the back stories of like some of the sketches that I loved, you know, it was just kind of cool to, to feel like, um, you know, to have them kind of reminisce and, and, you know, think back 15, 20 years and tell me about like the, the grimy bars that they used to hang around in and how they watched, uh, like would watch American gladiators and gave each other gladiator names and <laughs> we're doing, you know, n- n- nickel pitcher nights at places and stuff like that. It was just like, it made it very relatable it's like you know i knew these guys you know it's like i knew guys like this i mean i was you know involved with the sketch comedy troupe in college i was like oh yeah this is just i mean it was a you know could definitely relate to their experience and then then like you said just to see them get their own show at you know like 21 years old and just graduated from college it's like unbelievable and just (laughs) crazy to hear about them talk about how how um 
militant they were and they're like the way that they, you know, stuck together and stuck to their guns and um, didn't, you know, like essentially gave a lot of FUs to MTV for the, you know, the minor suggestions that they gave them. It's like, wow, who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> but it's great. I think, I think that, you know, helped make them, you know, that, that unique voice. I mean, if they yeah. would have bowed to the pressure and were doing like, you know, every other sketch was about the music video of the week, it wouldn't, it, you know, I don't think we'd still be talking about them, you know, because this show is, it's a, uh, you know, so evergreen. It's like you can, I would mean, 90% of the sketches are, are, pl- are more. It's like you can watch them and they don't, it's, you don't have, you, they could be happening, you know, right now. It's mm-hmm. like, there's, they're not dated at all. Yeah. So it's a timeless work and yeah, there's a lot to be said for trusting your instincts. I mean, you know, yeah. also taking some advice in some, some areas, but I, I think like that makes them who they were and that makes it an interesting story and just, when they're reflecting on that time, I mean, it's just something. There's is the nice character arc there, so you just had this natural yeah. character arc, and it's yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I, I think we've covered most of of what I have. I mean, I I definitely urge cool. everyone to go to your website, CoreyStolz.com, and I'll put a link on the uh, on the show description. So when it's on Google Play or everything, you know, that link will be there because you have some great photos with these guys. You know, you're interacting with them and you're, you know, it it felt like, yeah, you are with this, what you've done here, you know, some part of this group, you know, I I think covering their story in in the way that you have. I mean, that's really, you know, that's an amazing thing to, to take this work on and do it as well as you did i mean that just it's a a fitting tribute to what these guys have done and who they've become and you know the quality is definitely there yes i mean i'm a a huge comedy nerd and it was such a privilege for them to you know give me the 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 green light to go ahead with it you know and it was just and really amazing that all the stars kind of aligned to to work out you know it's like a lot i mean almost everything every kind of vision i had for like how i wanted things to go and how i wanted things to look and how i wanted the the launch to be it all happened you know which was was great you know it's just uh, really a dream come true very cool and then the next step that the next project that you're focused on is it the uh, documentary yeah so i just you know once the book was finished and i was able to take a breath it was like you know wow well while no one had written a book about them before, no one's done a documentary about them either. And it just seemed like um, sort of a natural fit that the, um, the the book kind of provides the template, you know, for that. And they all seem to be um, open to doing it. And so we've been, you know, shooting some footage here and there. Um, Stella just had its um, 20th anniversary show in San Francisco in January. And we shot that and shot behind the scenes stuff Um of that. And so, and then they, there was a wet hot American summer show um, late last year that we got footage of. And so we're just, and, and there's a lot of old, old, you know, footage from going back to the college days and the MTV days that we're starting to gather with the help of the group. So I think there's going to be a lot of good raw stuff to work with and uh, fingers crossed the, the group gets together for some kind of a reunion because to be able to chronicle that um, would be fantastic. I mean, I wish I'd had the foresight to uh, know how the book was going to go when I was, uh, you know, with the, with them a couple of years ago for the 
last reunion they had, so we would have had cameras on everything. But uh, you know, oh well. it's hard to know. Again, there's that hindsight. That hindsight, right? Definitely. Because <laughs> there were definitely some great moments there, you know. Yeah. But so I'm hoping that happens again, and I think you know, this. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely a good story there. Um, they certainly have a, a ton of contemporaries that I'm sure would be happy to give you know some quotes. Yeah. For it. So yeah, yeah we're just yeah, in the very very early stages, but. You know, I'm hoping that, you know, in the next couple of years that we're able to get it out there. Yeah, there's such, such, I mean, there's so much, so many threads of the story that you could put together in a documentary. And in, in the, you know, it, it, there's all the material in this book in an hour and a half. I mean, that's, yeah, that's an editing feat there. But, I mean, you know the story, you know these guys. So, I mean, you're, you know, definitely, you know, the right brain to be putting this together and, you know, and for all extensive purposes, the way you put this book together is like putting a documentary together. So it's, uh, I mean, you already have that, that in your back pocket. So fantastic. What, um, you know, last question, what was, uh, I guess, what was the greatest lesson that you learned from this journey or, or, um, you know, about yourself and in your process and, or what you're able to create doing it on your own and, uh, you know, and getting to know these creative geniuses and these people you've admired. I guess, it'd be, you know, and you hear a lot of people um, say this all the time, like, oh, you know, just do it. You know, the, 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 the technology is there. I mean, if you want to make a movie, go do it. You know, you want to do this, go do it. Just do it. And it's like, you know, you hear that and it's like, yeah, you know, well, it's easy to say. But, yeah, I have to say, I mean, just having that, uh, that dedication and determination um, is really important. You know, it's like I this – there were definitely times when I wasn't sure if, you know, if it was going to totally happen and I'd already spent, you know, hundreds of hours of, you know, time on it. It's just, you know, but I had to keep going, had to keep pushing myself. There was a period of uh, like, you know, I was one of the summers or whatever, where I just kind of took it off. I really didn't spend much time working on it all. I just had a lot of, you know, personal angst and stuff going on. I was like, you know what, I just need to, to, you know, put this on the back burner for a little while and, and pick it back up when I'm like, mentally you know ready to do so and so it's just you know pushing 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 um and you know not willing to give up so i think you know it was great to uh to realize that that was something i was capable of you know of really uh putting together like a, a big big project like this no small feat my friend no small feat uh well <laughs> man it's amazing to be talking to you about this i'm like i said i'm super proud of you with what you've created you and much. yeah and when I see you next, uh, hopefully I'll be uh, friends out in the Bay Area. So hopefully I'll get to visit sometime soon. But uh, definitely want awesome. to get the book autographed, and uh, I'm gonna pick oh, up for sure. Pick up your first book as well, and you know catch up there. So uh, yeah, man, thank you so much for spending this evening and uh, and sharing oh, no, thank you. sharing your story. I really appreciate I look it. Look yeah. forward to sharing it, buddy. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ken. Stay. Heavenly to the land